welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, Stephen Einhorn, founder and partner of Capital Midwest, joins us to discuss his book, Climate Change, What They Rarely Teach in College. We're going to delve into the myths and realities of global warming, carbon dioxide, and the rising sea levels. And finally, we're going to look at government policies that tend to push a green agenda weather and ask whether or not electric vehicles are the answer. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on She Thinks. Well, I'm looking forward to speaking with you. And again, the title of your recent book is called Climate Change, What They Rarely Teach in College. Before we get into what they should teach, my first question to you is, why are colleges not teaching the truth? Colleges right now take a very political aspect to this. Uh, there, There are numerous reasons. Let's talk about money first. If you're going to be a professor, and you actually want to get money from the U.S. government, there's actually $3 billion available for research on climate change. The problem is that if you actually want to tell them what's happening, namely what the government has figured out and and the studies they've done, uh, you're not going to get any money. In fact, all of the things I'm going to tell you today, almost all of them, are positions where a professor could not get any money because it doesn't follow the common narrative. The common narrative is that climate change is an existential problem, the most important problem of our lifetime, and that we should be worried and scared about it. That's the official tune, and therefore we have to do something immediately. But if there's no money, as a professor, you're not going to be able to say, Most any of the uh, pieces of information, which is science, almost all of them coming from the government, uh, you're just not going to be allowed to say that. Well, let's and let me go ahead and ask this question. So let's get into some of the things that has been taught, that has been said, even by our elected officials, and that is that the the Earth is getting warmer. So let's just get into whether or not that's true or not true. Is it true that the past seven years have been warmer than the previous years? No, it's exactly the opposite. The warmest year uh, that we ha- we've had during our lifetimes is 2016. That's six years ago, or six years have passed. So when you look at it, uh, what you have to say is, that the last six years have been cooler. Now, if they've been cooler, the question is, why? Why are they cooler? Because the the increase in temperature has been so slow. We're talking about one degree centigrade or two degrees Fahrenheit over 180 years. So it's very, very slow. In fact, it was so (coughs) slow that the climate alarmists had to do something. Remember, several years ago, we only spoke about global warming, but now they changed that, and so we speak about climate change. And the reason we talk about climate change is that the the growth in temperature, the increase, was so small that it wasn't working. So they had to go to a PR firm called Meslansky to come up with something that was vaguer. That was called climate change. Think about it. Global warming is easy. You can measure it. But climate change, what exactly is that? Isn't that much more vague? And and now we have, we've even switched to extreme climate. Well, what is that? I mean, that is truly vague there. And there's no definition. Of course, it's not true, but it doesn't matter. It's not true because how do you measure it there? 
And and I just want to pick up on that. I think it's so important to to point out that the terminology really has changed. We used to hear about global warming. That used to be talked about all the time. And that was changed to climate change. And I'm assuming the reason they changed it is because what you were just referring to, as they couldn't look at just the temperature each year to justify global warming because it wasn't going in the right direction. Yeah. In fact, before that, the warmest year was 1998, which is 16 years earlier. Uh, so the carbon dioxide has very, very little to do with, with whether we have a warm year or not. What actually does relate to this warm year, like 2023 is a warm year, but once again, it has nothing to do with carbon dioxide. It has to do with El Nino. And that is when the winds of the South Pacific, they hit against the top portions of the waters and those waves, the heat then goes around the world. And the last El Nino year was 2016, which was a very warm year. And this will be a very warm year too, because once again, because of El Nino. And this is something that we've known about since the fishermen in South America learned about it in 1800. So there's nothing new and it has very, very little to do. There is a small increase or <coughs> on how much uh, carbon dioxide is in, in the air. We... We had um, a year 2020. You remember that, yes. right? 2020 was the year of COVID. Very few people. Went, <laughs> very few people went to school, uh, didn't go to work, we didn't drive, we didn't fly, and we saved actually 10% of all the carbon dioxide in the air. That was amazing. It's never been done before. It's the biggest experiment in American history or human history. And what happened? It was the second warmest year. Exactly the opposite of what the climate alarmists tell us about carbon dioxide. There is a, it's only a fiction because it's carbon dioxide since they measured it at one five hundredth of a degree centigrade. That's all that we reduced it by in 20 and 2020. Uh, so that's totally uh, meaningless in terms of worrying about global warming based on, on, uh, on climate change from fossil fuels there. Well, well let's get into the earth getting warmer and this claim that that's what's happening. I've heard some people say, and I think you're included in this, that there are benefits if the earth does get warmer versus getting colder. Well, one thing we do know is that there are plants and trees and plants and trees love carbon dioxide and they grow better that's one reason why our crops have increased so much during the past 50 years. Uh, there's more carbon dioxide. There's about 100 parts per million out of 400 parts per million extra added on carbon dioxide during the past past um, year, uh, past hundred years. So the, the trees are are doing well. The plants are doing well. The crops are doing well. And with more heat, we're going to do well. The other part about it has to do with life and death. That there's always these articles. Um, more people died from, from heat uh, last year. And they say that, but they, what they don't tell you is how many people died from cold, extreme cold. And there are four or five times as many people that died from extreme cold as from heat. Uh, so actually, there'd be fewer people dying if it got warmer there. What about, though, with, with the earth getting warmer, we often hear about the sea level increases and that are happening and that they're forcing people to move. Are the sea levels increasing and how much impact do they really have on communities that are on the coasts? The, 
We know from our government, because NASA measures this, and the NLAA, that's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, they measure the sea levels. And so we know that the sea levels are rising at about 3.4 millimeters a year, which is about one inch every eight or nine years, or about one foot in a century. This has been going on for hundreds of years there. There's, there's been no change. And by no change, I mean there's no acceleration. Acceleration is an increase in the increase. Well, the United Nations tells us that since 1900, the acceleration has been three times that of uh, of what, it, what, it, what today it's three times of what it was in 1900. And it's going to go another three times in acceleration from uh, between now and 2100. But of course, there's no spot on earth where this has happened. I spoke to the UN about this. I said, you know, in New York, the sea levels are rising about three millimeters a year. That's about one inch every eight or nine years. In Los Angeles, it's rising, rising about one millimeter a year, which is about one foot every 300 years. And if you go to the other five of the largest seacoast cities in the world, Calcutta, Bombay, Tokyo, every one of them has been increasing at the same rate. And so if you're really concerned about this, you, you think, oh, my Lord, look what's happening to the, the, the glaciers and the polar, the polar ice caps. Uh, they're, they're melting so fast. Well, if they're melting so fast, where's all that water going? Because we're only increasing uh, the, 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 the sea levels by about three and a half millimeters a year and has been, for, as I said, for many, many years. There is probably about one millimeter a year increase. That's one foot every 300 years uh, due to ice caps melting. But that's about it. It is so minimal that there's nothing to do about it. Certainly not spending money, wasting time, or getting scared. And so when we think about then polar, the polar caps and glaciers melting, you talk about what that means for sea levels, but do we have concerns that we are seeing a warming in these areas, not only what it means for polar bears, but also other things we may not even consider? There's a whole lot of things we can worry about that don't exist. This is a good group. Let's talk about the polar bears. My Lord, polar bears are going extinct. You can, every time you have an alarmist trying to raise money, they show you pictures of polar bears, right? That's what you see. And the polar bears are cute. They're beautiful. And the only reason they do it is because these guys need money. It has nothing to do with the polar bears. See, they're right that the polar bears were going extinct. And they were going extinct before 1970. But the reason had nothing to do with them drowning. And they weren't starving because they couldn't, couldn't get walruses either. It's just not the case. What actually happened was that we stopped shooting them. It became illegal to shoot polar bears in 1970. All of the major countries that had polar bears made laws. You're not allowed to shoot them. So the polar bears have affirmative action. You can't shoot them, right? That's how it is. And as a result, the number of polar bears in the wild have grown about three times. There were about 10,000. They're now about 30,000. They're doing just fine. They don't need our help. And we certainly shouldn't be contributing money to, to help them. So if we... We don't need to worry about the polar bears. The sea levels are not increasing at a dramatic pace where we should be concerned. But yet we are seeing so many different policies enacted, this green agenda to try to regulate what they say is a doomsday situation. 
I mean, what do you make of, so you're telling us all the things that aren't true that we've been told. What, why are we seeing these policies move forward, even if science can show us what's happening isn't, isn't the case? Well, there are a couple of reasons. I think the question, let me rephrase it, is why, why is the government so adamant that we should be doing all this stuff? Mm-hmm. And I think there are a couple of reasons. One is there's a lot of money. You know, last year we passed the Deficit Reduction Act, $1.2 trillion. Nobody knows how much money it is. It's so big you can't even, you can't even look at the decimals and figure it out. Well, $1.2 trillion, what it does is it makes wealthy people wealthier. For example, take a Tesla. What does an average Tesla sell for? About $60,000. How many poor people have bought a Tesla? Really? None. Nobody buys a Tesla for $60,000 if they're, you know, if, if, they're, if they're poor. But wealthy people benefit. Also, who owns the utility stocks? That's wealthy people. Poor people don't own utility stocks. Well, these are the ones who are the beneficiaries of the government largesse. The huge subsidies for these are just um, earth-shattering. They really are, and they're not accomplishing anything. But let's take just one example of this. Let's just talk about cars, Tesla, right? Okay. Now, to make a Tesla or, or an electric vehicle, they call EVs, right? To make them, what you need is to have to move 500,000 pounds of, of dirt. That's mining. 500,000 pounds takes a lot of energy. A lot of energy because you got to get these rare earth metals, which are, you know, one part in a thousand or something like that. Well, if you take the cost in terms of energy for making a car that's a, a Tesla or electric vehicle, that energy puts you way behind just an ordinary hybrid. A hybrid car is much more efficient. And then what I'm getting to is it takes f- at least five years of driving to break even. You have to drive a Tesla five years before you actually break even on energy. And up till then, you're using more energy. And so as a result of this, now I'm getting specifically to your point. As a result of this, since the average electric vehicle is only three and a half years old, we haven't saved an ounce of energy. And we spent $500 billion on this. Really? How does that help anybody? But there's a second part to your answer, which may be more important. Governments, particularly socialist governments, or those who lean toward governments as opposed to having capitalism, they want power and control over you. Now, if you look at the carbon dioxide molecule and you say, it's a pollutant, and I'm going to control it because as I'm going to control how many carbon dioxide molecules are out there. If you do that, what's going to happen is that you can control anything. I can tell you what you're going to eat, don't eat meat. I can tell you what you're going to drive. Don't drive an elect, a, a gas car. I can tell you where you're going to fly. Don't fly in, in France uh, between the domestic places because you can't do it. I'm going to tell you what you're going to wear. I can tell you what appliance you're going to use. I can control everything. So the two reasons, basically, the governments get involved is, number one, they can spend money and make, make rich people richer. And number two, because... There's a there's a need for control over you. And so do you think government should have any type of vested interest in investing in alternative energies or just promoting them? Do you think that there's a place for that? Capitalism is competition. 
when you have solar energy or wind energy, and it can compete on a capitalistic basis, basically by merit, value, price, whatever, go for it. But all the government can do is to disturb things. And that's what they've done. For example, right now, if you buy a Tesla, the government, have, and it's all of its total subsidies for manufacturers, whatever, has put in almost $50,000. That means that what you're actually paying for is an extra $17 worth of gasoline. $17 per, 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 um, per gallon for gasoline. That's what you're doing. So it distorts reality and it, it, it wastes money and it's making us bankrupt. The, the uh, Green New Deal will cost 30, $37 trillion. And $30 trillion of it has nothing to do with uh, global warming. It has to do with, uh, with food for people and other non, non-related issues. So we're just going to go bankrupt if they keep spell, spending money and we're not going to accomplish anything. Well, just to kind of round out the conversation, I think the reason why you wrote your book, again, it's called Climate Change, What They Really Teach in College, is because young people are getting such misinformation about what's actually taking place. And I think one of the saddest things is that we actually have adults scaring children about the environment, saying that their world is ending. What do you make of adults telling children this? It's adults telling children. It's children telling children. The most effective speaker for the climate alarmist is Greta Thunberg, right? The Swedish young lady. If you don't do what I tell you, I will never forgive you. Really? How's that for a scientific argument? And that's basically what we're told. We have people, they're scared. And of course they're scared. They're scared because you have the media. What What is the media doing? Well, the, the media every day tells us Hurricane Ida proves that we have a climate change problem. But Hurricane Ida has very little to do with climate change. It's a, it's a weather event. Weather events happen once at a time. That's it. Climate change is over several years or a number of years. And people have to understand that. So there is no reason for the fear. In fact, if you actually look at the government statistics... The government does these studies. We pay millions and millions of dollars for the government to get hopefully relatively accurate information. What do they tell us? They tell us that there have been no more hurricanes in the last 50 years. There are no more tornadoes for the last 50 years. There are fewer forest fires than there ever were, and there are fewer acres. And besides that, 80% of all forest fires are caused by human carelessness or arson, whatever. We don't have more drought area. In fact, we have more green area. We've got over 300,000 more acres of, of green greenery in the, uh, in the world. Be, and it's partially because of the carbon dioxide, uh, which, which generates that there. Yeah. Well, so, I good. just kind of in closing, I think um, just final question for you is, is your book, who is it written for? Is this for people of all ages? And, um, I'm assuming they can get this on Amazon anywhere they would buy their books, correct? Well, they can't get anywhere, but they can get it on Amazon. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, I've, uh, the book is sold pretty well. It was a bestseller for a short period of time. I've also given out several hundred copies. 
And what I found is that people then get a better understanding and can defend a position of what really is happening here. Right. You, 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 every day we're exposed to projections. And what the book clarifies is these projections are not valid, almost all of them. The average projection by, by the climate alarmist shows that the temperatures on Earth should be about, they should have increased three times what they did. You can't do that. You can't have 100 projections that are just three times wrong. You have Al Gore telling you that the oceans are going to rise 20 feet in the near future. They've only risen two inches in the past 15 years. And so you go on and on, and people have to actually get an understanding of what's happening. And the government has told us exactly what's happening. And the book explains that. And what I've tried to do is avoid jargon, put it in English, and and let them learn so that they can defend the position, which is the truth. This is not a gray area. There isn't a lot of validity on the other side. This is a black and white situation. And the black is that we're spending a lot of money and bankrupting ourselves and feeling scared. And the white is that there's no problem and we should be happy and grateful for the climate that God has given to us. Well, I think it's an important book just because so many myths, so many falsehoods are talked about. It's definitely impacting young people when you look talk to them about the environmental issues. It's their number one concern that they have. So I think this is going to become more important than ever. So Stephen Einhorn, thank you so much for writing this book, Climate Change, What They Rarely Teach in College, and also for joining us on She Thinks Today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed being with you. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us. Independent Women's Forum does want you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you. An investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting iwf.org backslash donate. That's iwf.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or review. It does help. And we love it if you shared this episode so your friends can know where they can find more She Thinks. From all of us here at IWF, Thanks for watching.